back in the studio. Dr. Chris Hasnick, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, you? Uh, as we've previously discussed uh, before we ate breakfast, which might have made things worse, uh, we'll soar today. Uh, but we just got done doing a little jujitsu lesson, so uh, at least we started off right. I feel like we'd probably be more sore if we wouldn't have done that. When you get to a certain age, you realize you're going to be sore anyway. You might as well go do jujitsu and be sore because you did something rather than be sore because you sat on the couch or laid in bed or just embrace. Yeah, I've had to get um, more, uh, I guess, intelligent, I guess you say, uh, with my training over the years. Because, uh, I mean, I roll every day still, but I just, I don't know, man. Like, my recovery is like I can't do what I was doing and maybe because I was doing that, but like for like probably seven, eight years, I was just training on another level, mm -hmm. I feel like. And it's not that I don't train anymore. Like I train, but I just, I don't know, I get like, I, I, I've i spread it out a lot more. I'm a lot more calculated with what I'm going to do or willing to do. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I did this crazy, crazy kettlebell workout yesterday with uh, Albert. This guy's helping out with boxing a lot. And I just jacked my shoulder up. As you, yeah, as you age, you can still, I mean, you can go hard. You just don't recover the same way you used to. Yeah, that's it. It's the recovery. Yeah. yeah. 100%. But I've been, uh, I got back on the, the fish oil supplements yeah. kick, which really, um, I have those like after dinner, you know, seven, eight o'clock. They've really helped. Get some inflammation down, man. Yeah. Um, Pat Militich was just on Joe Rogan. And he was talking about he had so much inflammation in his body. And part of it was because he had a gluten allergy. Huh. Gluten and soy. But, um, and he cleaned up his diet and like he had like three different kinds of arthritis and they all went away. But if you look at people's death certificates, one of the number one leading causes of death is inflammation. Hmm. So that's why, you know, like the joint health, joint promotion supplements are super great yeah. i think because they uh <coughs> they help reduce inflammation i mean that's like you see a lot of those things have um, heart health yeah and the ingredients as well so well uh so <clears throat> what uh you just recently did a talk uh on atn or uh it's actually i taped it a week ago it's airing tonight Okay, um, yeah, what a great eight. time to have, you, have yep. you on to talk about it. What what uh the, what you've done that with him before? This is my second time on, yeah. It's AETN, it's Arkansas Week. It's a uh politics news show. Um they do it normally they do it with reporters. Um a couple of the big state reporters talking about what's going on this um throughout Arkansas. Once a month or so they bring in a couple of us political scientists. Um, they got some good um, – Heather Yates, she's a professor at UCA. She does a lot of American politics. This, old, this gentleman, uh, his name's Hal Bass. He's at Wachita Baptist. He's been doing Arkansas politics 30, 40 years. Um, basically, there's a moderator. The three of us sat there, talked elections, campaigns. We, you know, we, uh, we talk a lot about the Asa Hutchinson's running for – uh, re-election this year, sort of talking. He's got a uh, Jan Morgan's her name. She's challenging for the nom, you know, the Republican nomination. She's even more um, pro-gun than Hutchinson, isn't she? Yes, that's a that's a good. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. Oh yes, but it's we talked about that. We sort of discussed. There's a separation between an Arkansas Republican and a Trump Republican. 
so there's you know there's some tensions or differences there that we'll talk that we talk about for sure the the rise of what they call dark money in politics in Arkansas. Um, you know, I'm super fascinated by this uh, concept. It, like in the '60s, I've been doing this big research project on uh, 1968 and LBJ both, but um, of Southern Democrats mm-hmm. and how um, how much of a consideration that has been for presidential candidates picking their vice president over the years. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that was. Um, JFK's need for Southern Democrats laid in LBJ's hands, essentially. I mean, him being a majority um, leader and uh, the whip Mm -hmm. uh, in the Senate, uh, he was able to hustle those things. So, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, it's um, yeah. LBJ is the last big one, and I'm thinking about because part of it you had Carter, who was from the South, so it helped. Um, Those who had me. I joked about it when Hillary Clinton picked that cane guy from Virginia to be her running mate. I was sort of scratching my head, going, "No, what does he? You know." I didn't even know that. I think I asked you about it because during the election, no Hillary Clinton sign said who her her running mate was. Yeah, I never Tim saw Kane, if I think, but it's like you know the LBJ thing. You bring in and you've you know you've had my lectures. Um, a big thing you do, you're your vice president brings something to the ticket. Yeah. And I was saying there's the, you know, if it were my choice, if I were Grand Poobah, they would have been, um, there's two Castro brothers out of Texas, Julian and something else. Those got, you know, a very young, charismatic, Hispanic Texan. Um, Interesting. He could, it would be the exact same dynamic you had with um, Kennedy and LBJ. I've got this basically a New England Democrat, you know, we'll, that's what we'll call Hillary Clinton for today. Um, but I need to expand her appeal. You know, she's not going to do well in Southern revivals. She's not going to do, you know, as well in Hispanic neighborhoods in Texas. But you bring on, you know, Julian Castro. He's suddenly bringing in a new chunk of the, you know, the population along. And hindsight being 2020, a big chunk of the population she really needed to win. Um, that didn't show up for for her, that had shown up for uh, Democrats in the pre- in previous elections. I don't think we talked about this last time, but I, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I've thought about it a few times, and people have commentated on it. How much do you think Trump's uh, tapping into the evangelical uh, market uh, had to do? Because, you know, I find that super odd, that connection between him and these evangelical Christians. Well, that's that's a key. There's a lot of different reasons you pick vice presidents, and I think picking Mike Pence is that fix for Trump. Um, you've seen all the memes online. You know, this is a guy. He's been. I mean, he does he does business in New York City, and um, you know, Las Vegas and Atlantic City. He is not a. Okay, who would look more awkward at a Southern revival? Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Let that sink in for a little bit. But you've got to strengthen, you know, why do people pick running mates to strengthen their ticket? Um, you had, before, there were people, getting people from the, the Tea Party. You know, because you had more centrist guys. You know, you had John McCain. 
Uh, you had Mitt Romney. They were they're pretty moderate Republicans, but this they're running in the height of the Tea Party, you know, the the Tea Party phase. You know, all of a sudden we're not even going to call it a movement; it's a phase. <laughs> is it still going on? Are people still Tea Party in it? No, not particularly. Because I think the issue is it's like all things you know, new or old again. And those of us, you know, over the age of 40, we all remember the Ronald Reagan Republican response. You know, we're talking about trying to balance budgets, be careful of budget deficits. So you saw this group come up in the 80s, um, and especially after uh, Dad Bush, Bush 41's presidency. It's like, we got to get back to balanced budgets and fiscal conservatism. Well, you wait 20 more years and... Here comes Bush forty three and deficit spending, and here come here it is again, you know, and you know, they've they're di- they've disappeared, um, but at the time they were a strong enough block that if they don't show up to vote, you know, they're not going to go vote for the opposition. But if they don't turn out, you're going to have a really hard time winning a presidential election. So it's you know you bring in. Um, Sarah Palin, you bring in, you know, Paul Ryan, those are those bringing those people in, make sure your whole party shows up. So you've got, you know, President Trump with the divorces and the affairs and all that sort of stuff that's been going on. Mike Pence is the, you know, sort of the poster child for the evangelical movement. So Trump just just washed his hands and Mike Pence just cleaned everything off. Well, I don't know that confession works sideways like that, and I'm much. I don't. I don't know how many. Uh, well, people sure <laughs> forgave the the pussy grabbing. I mean, or whatever, whatever was happening. But that's um, yeah. I mean, it's it, that that I think is a was when he was campaigning a big part of it. Um, you know, all of a sudden, hey, you know, he he looks at his campaign, says, "Where am I weak?" And it's. You know, Christian evangelicals are looking at the kind of things he said, the way he behaved. Well, and let me ask you this: Like, do you think it's just a Southern thing? And I, I this may have been you talking on it, but I heard someone say within the last week that uh, maybe it could have been someone shared something. It was someone from, I believe, the department or mm-hmm. someone that we both know was talking about how the hitching of the wagon between the public Republican Party and uh, Christian evangelicals has been or is going to be or is becoming the downfall of the Republican Party. I uh, I don't think downfall. Somebody predicted it like 30 years ago or something is what the, the article I read was, was kind of, uh, you know, going into. Yeah, um... I see where they're going. I don't know that evangelical belief is the problem. It's evangelical tactics that may have been the bigger issue. Like, when you get into things of faith, these are not negotiable in the same way. And there will be some issue areas that are tied to faith that you really can't, you're not going to compromise on. Um, You know, when you see battles over, you know, abortion, for instance, makes sense. The issue that we've seen is when you take the approach you would take with, say, abortion, and you apply it to every policy area possible. Let's apply my no-negotiations approach to uh, tariffs, trade, um, other civil liberties and civil rights questions. When you take that 
my way or the highway approach, that's the bigger issue that may have, I would see. I don't think it's necessarily the content of evangelicalism. It's not about their religiosity, but it's about the sort of mindset taking um, the rhetorical or debate approach you would with a you know hardcore religious idea and applying it to every possible yeah, idea that to me exactly is exactly what you're saying that's the to me is the bigger problem well that's uh i mean in a certain way probably leads to uh some level of extremism and while you're saying and i agree with you that it's not it's not so much a belief issue but i will say this like uh, I, a i'm a little disturbed by this concept of mega churches Right. And uh, like, for example, your pastor comes to work in a helicopter. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But but also, so like we're talking about applying religious ideology to uh, political matters. Um, I do think that there are some of these ministers that are these super, and I'm just going to say extremists for lack of a better way of putting it. If you think of a better uh, word, let me know. But. Like, you ever seen that video of Benny Hinn just whipping the shit out of everybody with his coat? Doesn't ring I a can, bell. I can pull it up for you, man. <laughs> but it's like some of these mega churches that, I mean, it, it's like they get these people up there with these incurable diseases and whip the shit out of them with this coat, and then they leave, uh, and seen... they still have an incurable disease. And My uh, generation is the, the uh, they're up there, they got a line, he walks on, boom, you're healed. Yes, like, oh yes. Heel palm strike to the forehead, they're unconscious, and then, yeah. So, like, it, there seems to be a weird linkage between, uh, it's always, it seems like the politicians that hitch their wagon to those types of evangelicals. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's what I'm drawing um, my my observations from. Is like I think in Arkansas you'd be right because I think the every every state will be different, mm-hmm. but in Arkansas those we talk about it. Elections are a two stage process, and you got to get nominated. Then you can run in the general election. And I think what we found, what we know, you, a lot of people show up for the general elections. Not many people show up for the primary elections, which is when you pick your candidate. Um, you can, those kind of voters are going to be the ones who pick your nominees. You know, um, like a normal, in, you know, we just had our state senate, you know, long, strange trip state senate election. Um, Which was a, another runoff? Is that correct? Well, we that just was had included a runoff for city council before that. Yeah, you know, uh, if you're in Russellville, vote early, vote often. Um, but the idea is that you're, you know, trying to get this nomination. We only I looked it up the last ten years. We set all kinds of records for turnout for this election. Um, we had, I think, it was close to seven thousand people vote in the runoff. Between Bob Bailey and Brianne Davis, normally it was like four thousand, forty five hundred for the last decade. So you're talking, which is cr- pretty wild, actually, because Pope County, the rest of it alone is thirty thousand people. Pope mm-hmm. County's, uh, someone told me the stat the other day. I don't remember what it is, but it's it's pretty substantial. Yeah, and to know that. You know, in these, you told me this morning. I believe those two candidates, or last night, uh, those two candidates spent one hundred thirty thousand dollars combined on their little 
Yeah, just to get the Republican nomination. But that's that shows you where the thinking is. You know, you've got a pretty Republican district. Yeah, if I can get, you know, um, Brienne Davis won. She won cleanly, fifty four, fifty five percent. It wasn't close or anything. Right. You know, I, I joked Bob Bailey should be asking for a refund or a discount or something. You know, forty thousand bucks to lose is pretty good. Yeah, pretty good investment, but. Um, yeah, there's... I wonder how his backers feel about this. Sponsors, whatever you call them. Yeah. Um, whoever, whoever they are. How are these, you know, how are these candidates able to raise those types of funds without violating any... Um... Welcome to the ear of the super PAC. There's, we, I think we actually talk about this on the show a little bit. There's, they, there's unaccounted for money in politics. People donate all the time. Um, now, they are re- required to register with the federal government. They're required to register with the state government. Like, you can go onto um, the Arkansas Secretary of State's website, and this is where I got my information from for that campaign spending. And it will list, you can break down by candidate, where do they got all their money. And it will list da 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 pack, da 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 pack, et cetera. Um, this has been going on since the Citizens United decision 2010. Basically, corporations are considered people. They have opinions. They can spend their money on candidates. You know, we support this person. We support that person. The The local election, which got us sort of interest, you know, you have to provide some information for super PACs to organize them. Um, a lot of the ones for Brienne Davis were very clear. They explained who's on their board of directors, what's their policy position, because it's, I mean, it's, that's all the uh, Secretary of State website provides. Um, and you know what they're, where they're located out of. Many of them were, you know, statewide, somewhere in the River Valley, but it was very clear, transparent, okay, this is this person's, like I think Asa Hutchinson has a super PAC. He don't, you know, that super PAC donated, um, you know, I think the the max amount twenty seven hundred to Brian Davis's. When we looked at sorry Bob, Bob, yeah, when we looked at Bob Bailey's, there were they had filled out like minimal shady information. Like there was nobody listed as the board of directors for the super PAC. Is it shady when a super PAC's address is a P.O. box. Hmm. So that's that's what we're talking about. They did the bare minimum to that you have to do. They did the federal level, the state level, and it's you know you can just keep. I don't. That's the one thing I should look into. How much does it cost to actually create a super PAC? Well, because um, you can once you create it, you can donate money into it and donate it out yeah. as much as you want. But it's. I mean, it's got to be several hundred dollars. Uh, you know, I it, mean, yeah, when I poly- formed our corporation for the business, it was like 500 bucks minimum, and then a bunch of other stuff after the fact of getting the uh, operating agreement stuff in place. We so. spent 130 grand on a Republican primary. I think we can find a few hundred bucks to organize a super PAC and funnel yeah. some money. That's that's nothing. Yeah, exactly. Know. But it, at the same time, it... Uh, you know, I, I would like to see where those super PACs are, oh. if they're if they're um, paper entities or or what have you, if there's real individuals donating into them or uh, what have you. Yeah, but it's the thing about it is like you saw this at presidential levels, 
you know, you've had candidates having super PACs, spending money. Hey, just um, all those signs. We've talked uh, Michael Lasseter <laughs> and I talked about this on the podcast because he makes signs. He owns a sign business. And Please tell me he made those some, some of those signs. I don't know. I don't think he did actually. Yeah. Um, because there was somebody uh, in his like his yard, like propping up a Brianne Davis sign or something, and uh, it didn't look like they needed to be in his yard. So we're like, "Hey, dude, there was this person in your yard with." Brian Davis sign. He's like, that's weird. I don't have a Brian Davis sign in my yard. But I guess like uh, the wind had blown someone else's sign oh, in yeah. his yard, and somebody was like, "Well, it to- got um, it was crazy with all the glossy mailings we were getting because yeah. it was. I remember there was a week we got you know five days. We got four different mailings. One you know two from mass re- mailers are not cheap. No, just those signs and mass mailers alone. I know one hundred thirty thousand dollars seems like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's um, well, I mean, I think we paid we paid less than that for the gym before we remodeled it. We definitely were <laughs> way more in. We could we could that. buy the gym for cash and completely be free and clear, or we can get a republic. And part of the funny thing is, you get to do this all. Whoever wins. Um, gets to do it all over again in 18 months or two years or whatever. Oh, They're only filling the seat until 2020. That's crazy. Is that term limits? or No, it's a partial. Um, Greg Standridge was his name. He passed away unexpectedly at, Bummer. I think, 50. Um, so they have they did the special election. Heart, heart disease or something or what? More than I think so. Um, but they're... Um, yeah, they're filling... They're basically campaigning for the rest of his term now. So the actual general election for that seat's in May. So they will run for May 2018 until November 2020. So. Interesting. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, what, it, this this political process is the fundamentally the same for state to state. I mean, is it not? I mean, are there different super PAC rules per state? Is no, it a federal? That's the, federally. I think that's the thing. Super PACs. You know, as I, I was, I started to they, they were for presidential candidates, they were for senators, but they've gone down all the way. What we're seeing now, this is a, you know, a state senate race. It's they haven't gone local, but it's about as close as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I have to say, part of what made this funny is that this is a race all by itself. It's not in the usual. If this were, fast forward two years, if this were 2020. And they're running all, you know, they um, what seventeen Senate seats simultaneously. Nobody's getting that kind of funds because you know you've got seventeen of these races going on all over the state. Hmm. You know, just because you had this one all by itself, um, I think that that attracted more money. You know, you these kind of uh, super PACs and stuff are like, okay, we can spend money here, that sort of thing. Just, um, earlier, it's not like it's mixed into a bunch of other races at the same time. Yeah, kind of see what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, it's in my head too. I'm kind of like, I mean, it's almost like these. Whether, I mean, it kind of seems crazy for a politician to put, uh, especially at this sort of a level of a race, but to put a lot of their own personal funds in a race. For example, I know I feel like. I feel like Trump did that when he was running for president, put up a lot of his own money for this and that or matched money. And, but, uh, it, you know, I wonder how much of this, um, money is co- almost like a lobby is coming from people 
that, hey, you know, when you get in there, I'm going to need this, mm-hmm. and uh, this is going to help me out, and I'm going to recoup my funds in this way, where it's, you know, that candidate's tied to, not you know, for like almost like a bribe, I guess you could say, <laughs> but... I wonder how much of that goes on with these shady P.O. Box super packs or whatever. Um, I don't think necessarily it's as quite as bad, you know, sort of a tit-for-tat buying influence. I think you throw money behind people who will support you anyway. Like, we got, you know, we have a lot of friends, you know, through the gym, stuff like that. You know, good Christian people. I am not going to be able to throw money at any of them that I'm ever aware of to suddenly make them pro choice and not pro life. Um, but if I have super PAC money, if they're running for office, I'd best, you know, a um, pro life super PAC is going to look at them and say, that's somebody I can get behind. So I think what happens, that's more of what happens where there, there's not going to be a tip for that, but they're going to get people elected that who already share their ideas, you know, sort of look at this landscape and say, okay, that's the kind of person I want in. Which I guess when you look at it that way, you can't really be upset about it. I mean, that's kind of the goal mm-hmm. is to raise, to get people in office that represent your ideas. Yeah. I just think it's, it's sometimes misproportionated between um, the, the masses of general people's ideas aren't represented. It's a suit, it, it, whatever the super back is. That's always is, the, the, the question that comes up with like co- citizens United and corporations. What if the corporations got stronger feelings than the citizens? You know, I always sort of, you know, we're in Arkansas, Walmart Incorporated. Mm -hmm. Um, What if Walmart's doing something detrimental, damaging? You know, we've had um, Equifax scandal that just came through. You've got, oh, Facebook's in, you know, being debated over right now. Do you know anything about that? A little, I mean, I've, I've fought a little bit, but uh, a little I don't know. Bit. I know that uh, Zuckerberg has lost billions. Yes, in the last couple of weeks, and uh, we we need to segue this into this <laughs> China um, tariff trade war is what people are calling it. But what uh, what is going on with Zuckerberg and the stock market? And okay, uh, Zuckerberg, as I understand it, Facebook. Um, everybody know that we're getting into the depths of. Election 2016, data mining, everybody's heard the term. It's pretty clear both campaigns got really down into data mining using social media um, to target audiences, things of that nature. And, And you started to see this with the Obama campaigns. He was the first social media candidate. The issue is that just the campaigns themselves weren't the only ones doing this. Russian bots were targeting well, it as you, well. Uh, what do you know about bots? I mean, um, I mean uh, I'm fascinated by this. I mean, p- people are building these digital robots to do all sorts of stuff. Yep. They're building them on Twitter. They're, I mean, it, well, here's let me. I'll, I'm going to stick to Facebook, but I think what Zuck, what Zuckerberg's gotten in trouble for is he's the only one trying to get in front of this. This is true for all your social media formats it is true for twitter it is true for instagram and every other one that i don't use and my kids will um the zuckerberg they have all been penetrated they have all spread propaganda they spread falsehoods lies um from americans and from foreign entities facebook has tried to be open about it 
how much, who, from whom, etc. cetera. Uh, but you see how well that's working. You know, Twitter's had the same problem. Um, it was a couple of weeks ago, Twitter flagged a whole bunch of, like, fake followers. Um, I mean, there's fake followers on Instagram, too. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. But it's they hit a lot of them were these sort of bot farmed. They 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 are calling them troll farms, bot farms, yeah. stuff like that. It's you know you set up, you know basically almost like a call center. You got fifty computers in a, um, in an office building somewhere. You're going to have people. They're going to set up a you know a Yahoo email account or a Gmail account. Then they're going to set up a Twitter handle off of that account and then they're going to follow whoever you want them to follow you know a lot of it does um they're gonna they're gonna follow donald trump one of the ones i remember that was controversial they often followed um justin bieber the biebs well the biebs was one of the biebs he was one of the biggest twitter followers um or you know one of the biggest ones follow biebs and you look normal yeah. Is that was that why they were doing it? No, this this is oh man, I'm getting old. Uh this was before 5 years ago. It was the Islamic state. They were using they would put out those all, the those terrible hum, um execution videos. Yeah. They would hash which would get on YouTube. They would get up for like 30 or 45 minutes, but they would hashtag them, you know, hashtag Justin Bieber because then all of a sudden you've got 7 or 8 million people get this you know, hey, Justin Bieber was tagged, and oh my god, you know they're lighting somebody on fire. Um, Damn, I'm hashtagging Justin Bieber next time. I want to get some reach on like a podcast <laughs> or something. But it's that's horrible. Dude. Oh yeah, there's there's I, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, um, that's yeah. I'd say about four or five years ago. It's one of those you start to have to think back. When was that? Yeah, well, I mean, I remember when it was going on, but um, I didn't know they that they were. Um, I didn't know that the trolling was going on back then. Oh yeah, uh, it's, you know, it something's ta- it's almost gotten industrial. I think you're starting to automate it. You're being able to, you know, I could tr- troll somebody. There was like the one I used. There's a great. Uh, I wish I could find it. Sports Illustrated about three years ago did an article about the the challenges and dangers of women in sports. And especially, um, they were looking at like sports reporters. You know, you've got uh, the example I always use. If you're on, you know, ESPN for a long time, I think he's on Fox now. A guy by the name of Skip Bayless. Um, he's a sports reporter, been doing this for 20 years. He's on like the morning shows, so he's supposed to be a little dumb and a little bit flamboyant and kind of try and start an argument. Like when he would get Twitter, you know, attacked on Twitter, it'd be like. You know, you're stupid, you never played the game, you're a moron, things like that. And then they compared to um, Gemma Hill is her name. She's the one, she's an African-American woman. Um, her, when she, people when she said something people didn't like, it was like, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to cut your head off. That's what I said, that's what I do. And it's, yeah, it's just, but they found like Twitter, I guess a couple years ago, they started having those verified accounts. Yeah, that I, was a, I've had to do that um, for the business uh, pages on. Uh, I don't know if I've had to do it on Twitter. I'm about to start a Twitter for the not, uh, for the uh, podcast, but um, I definitely you have to do it on YouTube and Google for sure. Because mm-hmm. you would get these just random anonymous, like really really ugly comments, and it's they showed like 
male reporters get them, but not nearly the same proportion. And it's, you know, it'd be some, you know, angry individual in a city. You just said their quarterback is too old to play. They'll create a quick Twitter handle, go in, attack you, delete it, never use it again. So that was what you're seeing is you're taking it, you know, that's always happened. Probably happened since they invented Twitter and every form of social media. But now you're getting into like, you know, industrial, almost like industrial size. Well, there are two. There there are these um, now, uh, let's say since that Justin Bieber thing, now there are these social media influencers that oh, yeah. people oh, try. I mean, like, I took a class over this in Vegas on social media and building building shows and brands. Like I, I was thinking about doing the podcast already, but I'd like uh, when I did that class, it was actually with the dude who does a Maradote master <laughs> Ken. And, uh, but he was talking about how to, you know, build things up online. And I was like, uh, and, and that was the big thing is how businesses that are like his show and people that are making it spend time every day networking with these pages that have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of likes, followers, views, et cetera, viral pages mm -hmm. like the Dodo or whatever, you know, there's all these pages well, out there and they're, so, they're considered social media influencers. Mm -hmm. So, well, I think when you were talking about Zuckerberg losing billions, the one I was thinking of, um, I think Twitter and Instagram got hit in the last say six months. Um, some of the Kardashians admitted they don't use it like on a daily basis or whatever. Dude, I haven't all used of a sudden, Twitter and Instagram in a while. The only reason I'm getting a Twitter for the um, podcast is so I can push. It'll automatically push out with a click from my podcast app. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to. Um, I'm not actually going to go there and make tweets. Yeah. So I like a little more than 280 characters. At least they upped it. It used to be 140, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah at least they gave you a little more. Uh, so, <laughs> crazy enough, uh, do you know who Pat Militich is? I, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, so, he's uh, he's Matt Hughes' coach Okay. in the UFC when Matt Hughes is fighting. And countless other people. I think he has said he had um, 30 or 40 people that made it to the UFC, 92 televised fights or something, uh, mm -hmm. people who had televised careers. But he has a podcast. Um, it's a tinfoil hat type of podcast, Conspiracies. <laughs> I, I think it's called Conspiracy Thought Farm or something like that. But uh, they were talking about some crazy stuff yesterday, and I was like, dude, can we get back to talking about the <laughs> – because it's like he was on the MMA show, but he's like, oh, yeah, no, I got a, I got a conspiracy podcast. <laughs> and he's like, and I'm talking Eddie Bravo about Flat Earth later today. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, man, well, this like, is great. Keep it separate. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You, you know, yeah, definitely. Vent in your definitely. own way. Well, and get it out so of like your when you come on a podcast, it's like we've started off the conversation talking about us training jujitsu. Yeah, you know, it's just um, you podcaster these free flowing. I mean, like obviously you're a political scientist. You come on, we're going to talk about <laughs> some politics. Oh yeah, and no, but no better person to have on than a political scientist to talk about those things with because then. Uh, I just, I don't know, let use a little layer of credibility. You get me and my buddy Colby in here talking about politics. We're liable to piss somebody <laughs> off. Uh, so, Well, you're probably going to anyway, so you have enough mileage. Well, we'll just embrace it. And 
Yeah. Well, so what's uh, what's going on with this trade war, man, with China? Like, I've been like when we went in to have breakfast, I saw right outside. There's that newspaper yep. stand right there, and it, there's front front headlines on everything. You flip open Facebook this morning. Uh, it's at the the top of the headlines. It seems yeah. to be on everybody <laughs> buzzing on everybody's mind. But I've been I heard different things about it a few days ago, and then it was like, oh no, we're in a trade war. Well, we got the okay. So about three weeks ago. So this that's about when I started following it. Yeah. Um, so let me make yeah. So this is about March March first of 2018. So if, if we wind up somebody watches this five years from now, they'll know what we're talking about. Um, Trump, President Trump announced that we were going to tariff steel and aluminum. Now he starts one of the things you have to take with a grain of salt or remember a lot is what he says and he tweets versus what becomes policy are often very different. Like, he starts every country, everywhere, you know, um, I think like a 20% steel tariff and 10% aluminum tariff. Well, policy changes over time, over time, and now it's uh, a lot of countries have been exempted. You know, it's not everywhere. Um, Canada is out. Mexico is out. The European Union, Australia are all exempt from his, you know, sweeping 20, 10% tariffs. Okay. Um, but, you know, we sort of looked at it, so, okay, so we're getting a little bit, you know, protectionist, or protectionism's the idea. Um, try to limit import. And this is one of the things we're, we've talked about. When you study politics, there's some things that are pretty constant, and then all of a sudden you'll wake up, it's like, oh, we're in a whole new environment. Um, I'd ever since World War II, U.S. has been free trade, free trade, free trade, free trade. You know, open up the borders, ship in a lot. Walmart Incorporated, every major corporation's built on these principles. Um, but it started in the 2016 campaign. Um, Trump definitely had was protectionist. Hillary Clinton was even. She wasn't as protectionist, but she did free trade. Um, was not as she was not into it as much as anybody. You know, it's one of those. Where did this come from? Um, you know, for instance, they were negotiating this Trans-Pacific Partnership (TPP) um, trade pact. You U.S., Japan, China, Australia, and a whole bunch of other Pacific Rim countries getting into another free trade agreement. That stalled was basically dead on arrival. Um, but you've had this really big change. One of the things I always stress is that politics is local. How you know, I think we mentioned this at breakfast. You know, you liked having my classes, but I could take things on a global scale, on a national scale. And this is how it affects you in Russellville, Arkansas. Yeah, I really liked uh it's funny how we were joking because I now teach a college class and we we're joking about how students have the most bullshit, bullshit that goes wrong with their lives <laughs> and getting the papers in on time. But I remember, so one time I did have like some sort of weird word processor issue. Yeah. And like I, I typed my paper, but then like 
Some sort like it. I, I don't know what happened. Okay, here's. I got to ask you, as your former professor, you realize you are covered by FERPA. You do not need to tell the world about. Here is what happened. Yes. So you are waiving your FERPA rights then. So I emailed myself the paper. Like, let's say I'm in here and I'm working on the yeah. paper. I emailed myself and I opened it up and I typed on it and then I hit save. But it it saved to like a temporary folder, and when you're working on those network computers in the library, mm. it caches out, I guess, like immediately. So there was no way for me to recover that save. So like, I ended up turning this paper I'm referencing in late, and I ended up like coming over to you, like crying about it or something. And you're like, "Dude, your choice of word, not mine. Don't, don't worry about it." <laughs> so thanks. But it was it was one of the coolest papers I got to do. And and why it took me, I put effort into it because I actually had to get sources and articles. And but it was a, a compare and contrast between gun control. Can we say that? Can we yes. say gun control? On we can YouTube? say that. We read we the can rules. Definitely say it on audio. Uh, and we're going to do we'll, we'll do a little thing about that here in a few minutes. But um, it was comparing like New York, DC, and Arkansas. Or oh, I yeah. can't remember. I I definitely used a super like. Um, uh, sort of, yeah, we're strict, but middle of the road, and um, maybe maybe I use New York and D.C. as like super strict, and Arkansas mm -hmm. is not strict, and yeah, yeah, it was I, can't, my, it was I, my, I can't remember the comparison, but I it was a federalism paper because yeah. we we talked about you know every state will have different different policies, different ideas, and you see them on you know gun control, abortion, gay right. Well, this is your you took it long enough ago, gay rights. Mm -hmm. Um, was would have been big at that point, but yeah. So and that has been five or six years ago, yeah. at least. <laughs> You're getting old. Yeah, I'm actually turning thirty-one, uh, April twentieth. <laughs> so right up around the corner. Uh, so what's uh, <clears throat> what's the ramifications, potential well, outcome of this uh, this trade war situation? Well, I think. To keep it local, Arkansas's a it's a farm and manufacturing state. We we you know you drive through eastern Arkansas, you're going to Memphis, you're going down thirty, you're going into Texas, you're passing farms of all shapes, sizes, and persuasions. A lot of what Arkansas grows goes abroad. Um, Arkansas rice goes to China. Arkansas rice goes to uh, Canada. Goes to Mexico. Um, Walmart basically gets everything manufactured in East Asia and then ships it in. If there's tariffs, if there's that's going to drive prices up at Walmart. That's um, and if um, what happens, the worst case scenario, if tariffs get bad, all of a sudden Arkansas doesn't have a place to ship all its agriculture products. You know, they will rot in the fields. They'll rot in warehouses and silos. Which has happened in uh, periodically throughout. I think when um, what's obviously happened during the Great Depression. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I, did that same thing not happen when Nixon took us off the gold standard? Uh, I know there was economic challenges when we did that, but I don't remember. I remember the farmers uh, were hit. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. I need to look into that because I was just reading something about it the other day, and I was like, "Well, this is interesting." That's that will be the worst case scenario. But you heard people when we were just doing this tariff steal on Europeans. The Europeans were being very surgical. They were they were intentionally going to target um, with retaliations places that would hurt 
um, presidential and particularly Republican strongholds. They're going to make sure the president's supporters know what the president was doing. Like um, they were going, uh, the Europeans were going to tariff Kentucky bourbon, you know, raise taxes on it 50%. And you're like, okay, I don't like bourbon that much. What does it matter to me? Kentucky bourbon is Mitch McConnell's home district. He is the um, Republican leader in the Senate from Kentucky. So they're going to go right after his supporters back home. So corporations... Who did he piss off? Well, he's he's the guy. He's one of the Republican leaders who can let, you know... I joke about it. The, the Congress has a lot of power if they want to step up and do something about any and all of this. But will they? You know, they basically said, you know, the Europeans are like, we're going to put pressure on those who can also make decisions. Um, and I think that's what this is going to do. If, assuming if a the trade war gets as bad as it possibly could, and that we're still a long way from that. But, like, basically they announced just sort of, like, almost in passing, we're getting ready to put like 50, you know, uh, I think it was 40 or 50 billion in tariffs on China. The sto- China. Yeah. The stock market dropped 700 points. Uh, yeah. You do know, you, so do you know there's a video out there of Trump saying China for three hours? A three hour video? Yeah. And it's like all these different clips where he's like, China, 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 <laughs> China. It just goes on and on, but it's like clips from all these different interviews and media from like all throughout Trump time. Just oh. recently, before three hours of Donald Trump saying China. Is this? Uh, I have to wonder. I have to blame his friends, his family. This is a good one to blame, like Jared Kushner and Don Jr. From you remember um, W? You know Bush forty three. He never in eight years figured out how to say the word nuclear right. You know nuclear. But he always said it like nuclear. Nuclear. Yes. He's missing like two syllables in the middle. But for eight years, nobody around him stopped to say, will you please say this right? You're the president of the free world, damn it. He can say things like strategery. Exactly. But nobody, I, I don't blame him as much. I blame his friends. Because if you're saying something wrong, I'm going to sit there and snicker at you for yeah, okay, a while. Yeah, you know, so this just came up. And uh, so do you think it's... Because I mean, I went and did all this research, and then I went and did more research and found out. So, do you think it's Giffy or Jiffy? Ah, <laughs> uh, because Jiffy has other connotations. I tend, I'd, I'd lean towards. I think Giffy. it's a GIF. I think it's yeah. a GIF, but the the internet says it's a JIF. Yeah. You know, um, and there are other examples. Like I was calling it a vlog, but everyone else calls it a vlog. But there, it's like there's a bunch of people who call it both. But like some people will be like, "Dude, I was just gonna let you roll with that, but it's really called a vlog, yeah. dumbass." And I'm <laughs> like, "Oh man, really? Come on, you couldn't say anything when I was having you make this logo for me, Nick Oots, because I started a, v- a vlog, a vlog for the uh, Jim's YouTube, and um, he made me a little custom thumbnail for it. And uh, he's just like, "No, I was just gonna let you roll with it, dog." Come on now, help me out. <laughs> no, I think it, yeah, I don't want to get into. I'm making a, I'm making a gif about it seems super, super peanut trivial. butter. Yeah, I know, I know. That's what everybody says. But and then Michael Astor brought up the point. He's like, it's um, he's like, it's a graphic image. I guess the gif stands for like graphic image photo or something yeah. like that. Um, 
And uh, he's like, so how could you call it a, you know, G if it's a gr? <laughs> anyway. Wrong Hausnick. That's the uh, the English professor Hausnick. Yeah. Hey, what well, we should have her on. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm just gonna apologize to the audience for the central lack of female guest on there the podcaster. Uh, so um, I, I do have some lined up. I'm wanting to have um, Meredith uh, Meredith Martin Motes in. Nice. She she does a lot of local writing and she's mm -hmm. a folklorist also. Mm, okay. um, cool background in history. I met her adjuncting at um, Tech. Oh, okay. So I uh, filmed her a few times. It's for Dr. Gleason. Mm. But uh, I'm wanting to have her. I've got a. I've got a few people on my guest list. That are Lemon. Ro she's got a a side gig. She started doing lemon rosemary cookies. I yeah, think. did. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about her. Uh, Danielle's ordered the last. She does them. I think on Fridays. Danielle's ordered them. They're really tasty. Yeah, yeah, and they're healthy too. She gets a lot of the ingredients from this, like uh, I think a Mennonite market or something. Local sourced. Yeah. yeah, I think she's got her own chickens and her own eggs to make them too. So they're building a chicken coop out of um, pallet wood. I was like, hey, you got you got to keep me posted on that because what her husband's doing. Um, so she does some personal training with me. But her husband's doing uh, design work for the boxing show. Mm. So that's it's been beneficial. I usually work with her Friday mornings, but they went, I guess, out of town to Little Rock. And some got family up there. So, mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I do like. I'm trying to. I want to have also. Um, you ever listen to Tech Radio or 100.9, that girl Hope Adair? Yeah. I, Another I one of my on. students, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't remember if I, I – I know – I feel like I know her for sure. She might be from the Clarksville. I think she's from Clarksville, but like mm -hmm. way younger than me. I believe that her boyfriend and I went to high school together. Mm. So – but uh, I've just kept up with her a little bit, talked to her, dealt with her a few times, sending stuff in for the gym. And uh, she's always on the radio, always oh, yeah. talking, um, does all these little shows. So I would like to have her on yeah, just she... to talk broadcast with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she shared uh, – I'm in the middle of a, doing a fundraising campaign for my daughter's robotics yeah, yeah, team, yeah. and she shared it and had a nice little write-up to go with it too. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's uh, – so, yeah, Ian's on the robotics team too. Yep. Yeah, Ian Warnick. I got to have – I want to have Jason on too, uh, Dr. Warnick. That's such a fascinating cat. Oh yeah, he is. Uh, he lives in a lot of different worlds. I know. Andy's got one of these orange amps. I want to go play it at his <laughs> house or have him bring it here. Because um, I've uh, this guy Which... th that I'm having on Sunday sells this brand. It's called Orange, and uh -huh. they um, they have an incredible sound. But I've never got is to that, play one. Is it the band Clutch? Is that the one? There, there's a. I thought there was a band that plays with Orange. Yeah, I've I've been noticing several bands playing with it. Let's uh, let's pull it up real quick. Uh, what bands play? See, what I'm really looking forward to on the video is like, uh, so MacArthur is going to build me a custom podcasting supercomputer. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. So, what I'm wanting to do, and I don't want to have any issues with it in terms of the processors, like I'm getting a custom processor, 16 gigs of RAM, 4 terabyte hard drive, huge ass tower, cooling mm -hmm. system. I'm increasing my upload speed. So, like, it took me three attempts to upload MacArthur's two-hour podcast to YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to work I'm gonna work around that. And that's going to allow me to do – so, like, for example, I'm going to use a TV as a monitor. Mm -hmm. And anything that I pull up on the monitor will be a screen capture on the video. So uh, that, that'll be good. And then I'm trying to get, like, what's really going to get my subscribers up, which I've got to do – 
is getting uh, and views is getting uh, getting live. If we were living this right now, mm-hmm. we would be having live viewers from all over. Hmm. Hey, man, I mean, it wouldn't be a lot in the beginning, but then your subscribers all get notified when you go live too. So gotcha. like when yeah, Joe Rogan absolutely. goes live, so it's you know, let's see, the history of Orange Amps. What bands use Orange Amps? Okay. It's just one of those weird, random trivia things I thought I had stuck in my brain. For some reason, the band Clutch. Dude, I like Clutch. I want to say they're playing at Memphis in May. Maybe. Have you been to Bill Street Music Festival? I want to be, but money. Because uh, I think Government Mule's playing Memphis in May this year around. They are, dude. They're, yeah. they're a good show if you get down there. And I will say this, too. Like, I want to go. Incubus is playing. Which way we had the boxing show that weekend. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I'm not seeing uh, a bunch of uh, bands I haven't heard of. One called Under Oath. I know who that is. Um, Double Barrel. I don't know who that is. Um, yeah, I don't see a whole lot of people I recognize their band name. <laughs> anyway, this looks like an older forum, too. The Helicopters, Early Man. <laughs> don't know. Led you down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, those orange amps. So, like, the guy I'm having on, Brian Chino with the Owens Valley Piano, uh-huh. um, he's coming on to talk about the collapse of Gibson guitars. Oh, yeah. Uh, on Sunday. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to talk about other things. He, he's actually, I got this um, digital recorder from. You've seen one of these before? It's called a uh, Tascam DR40. MacArthur actually has 10 of these for the uh, digital history stuff he's doing. Oh, yeah. I think he said 10. He has several. Yeah. But, um, this is going to lag. I have a whole. This is all new podcast stuff. I just spent five hundred eighty dollars on the podcast, <laughs> uh, but I just spent a lot of money on the podcast to get some odds and ends stuff. Mm-hmm. So the next evolution is getting my own computer in here with a big tower. I'm just going to set over there next to the mixer, run everything through the TV, get a wireless keyboard and mouse, and um, this will be, instead of recording into this computer, which is what I'm doing now, we're recording into this. Got you. So. I think it'll be super, uh, super beneficial. And I've got, um, I'm able to hook this into the mixer or hook it into, um, I got a USB, a USB microphone called a Blue Yeti. I can hook it into there or I can hook it into these amps or these uh, microphones rather. Sweet. So like if, uh, so basically I can do mobile podcasts. Like if you were like, hey dude, I can't make it over, but if you want to drop by my office, we could record that real quick. Um, oh, yeah. If it's whatever, you know. And uh, it, it just for like, so like a f- some of the podcasts I do and the first seven I think I did were audio only. Mm-hmm. So it allows me to do that. I'm going to be recording a ton of lectures in my office. Like anytime I write a lecture, I'm going to try and record it for when I start doing online classes. Yeah, I've I've done that. MacArthur, he left here. He's like, man, I'm kind of kind of hoarse from doing the podcast i recorded some lectures and uh then he taught uh takedown last night you know so he's coaching a little bit so it was uh yeah you know he's like man i'm not used to talking this much in spring break and all i've been resting my voice oh yeah it, you get you, you get the habits you, you know yeah you talk three hours a day and all of a sudden you talk six well like, dude there was one day that i did like i think i did five private lessons and three podcasts. <laughs> and all the podcasts are like an hour, hour and a half or something. But yeah. I did three on a Friday. And then I, a lot of times I have three private lessons in the morning. And then I'll have like 
maybe three in the evening. Mm-hmm. So I usually do uh, kids in the evening, but I've just been working with some extra people and stuff. And I had, it's funny, last night I had the guy, I'd, uh, I'd, I had a package of three to do with him this week. He's on spring break, and I did two, and he's like, hey, man, my back's a little sore. I want to rest tomorrow. So, like, quite literally, was, uh, I think it's because of the last day of spring break. But, like, everybody canceled today. Four <laughs> people canceled today. Yeah. So, um, uh, actually five, because I had another kid cancel. So, that's like... I got to check with Patrick Tucker. He's on outage. Nuke part, nuke oh, part man. starts tonight. So I bet he's not coming in. So essentially it's just like, well, just try and round up another podcast or something. Yeah. So. Oh. Well, uh, man, any um, – we're going to record another little spot uh, talking about some um, some of Google's use uh, policies. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you got any, uh, any closing remarks on uh, the political zeitgeist uh, uh, that we're currently living in, uh, either locally or abroad? Chill and be patient. Everybody's, like, losing their minds hourly. That's not healthy. It's not, man, and that's just. I think that we we remarked on social media for quite a while, and several and several times, several different ways. And I think it's just some people get so wound up, and like every now and then, I get goaded into like a comment war with somebody, <laughs> you know. And then it usually always escalates with us being friends and me putting that Ron Burgundy meme. Wow, that escalated quickly. <laughs> yes, but um, you know, it's. I think that this, like the globalization of, of how information is right now, new media, and how fast we can all see what's going on in this fake news epidemic. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, well, there's it's so un- many things it's unfil- that are getting people. It's constant and unfiltered. I think, I think this too. I, I, a lot of people don't know what the Red Scare is. No. But I think this is the third Red Scare. Mm. Putin just won re election. Yeah. Hollywood's getting persecuted. <laughs> like all the all the major themes of the second Red Scare are happening right now. Fear fear of nuclear war. Um, yeah, I mean that'll it, grant you. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's there's a lot in, in the Hollywood thing too. Yeah, it's not communism in Hollywood now. It's sexual abuse or or, yeah. or um, you know, but there's a lot of the same themes. And uh, I've been like, why? And why I say that is like, so with like Dalton Trumbo, for example, it's like, hey, you're a communist, so mm-hmm. you don't have a career anymore because I said so. Yeah. Now, I I do not know if Dustin Hoffman is um, a sexual abuser in any way, mm-hmm. but someone said he was in 1983. Yeah. Therefore, he got like roasted on like the John Oliver show or something for like 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Somebody just caught him out of nowhere, like right after it came out. And it's like one person has come out against that guy Mm -hmm. and they allege this stuff from a movie that was in like 1983 or something. Oh, yeah. And it's like, and his career is probably going to flounder seriously in the end of it. Well, he's also, yeah, he's, he's older. So, you know, he's probably in his seventies. So his career is probably on its last legs anyway, but, um, oh yeah, there's, it's clear there's historical, you know, people with long legacies, Kevin Spacey, you know, he's been, you know, 
sexually harassing people for 30 well, years. And, and it's Harvey all, it's, Weinstein. It's been, uh, They're easy to say, get out, go away. Exactly. But it's I like, agree. like okay, Dustin Hoffman had one incident 30 years ago. Which um, may or se- may not have happened. A season sorry's weird date got from hell turned into entrapment. Have you read that one? Uh, oh, wait, yes, yes, I have. Yes, I have, actually, yeah, yeah. And okay. it's like, okay, so that's more recent, but it's... Dude, uh, but it's, Yeah, but how do you, how do you, pro, like, it's really clear when they're just complete and total trash, you know, okay, I have no problem. That's a real, that's a huge issue, but it's like, you know, what do you do? You know, a season star is probably 40, 40-ish. You know, yeah, he's, he's, I think is, he's 40. Yeah, you've got one incident. I don't know if he's even said anything about it, but how, what's his what's going to happen for him in a year, two years, ten years? That's the more... Well, the, that's, the that's why I liken it to the Red Scare, because it's like career-ending, yes. you know, and, and it's all because of a, a finger-pointing. Yeah. You know, like, hey, yeah. you ever seen that uh, great, I, great movie, Jim Carrey's The Majestic? I don't think they, I have. They play on that. Like, uh-huh. he has a car wreck and gets amnesia and shows up in this town and starts working at this movie theater. And um, he has no rec- uh, no memory, but he was uh, being accused and going to go on trial of being a communist. Yeah. I think the, what, the way I would think of it is, like, social media has made it given everybody a megaphone. Mm, yeah. I mean, because, you know, these things go viral if they're true or not. If they're accurate or not, and you're, you're being tried in the court of public opinion, yeah, I was just about to say, really, that. really, um, really quickly, and this happens even for like normal people, and it's not even necessarily the, like the Red Scare, the Me Too movement. Like I'm thinking, um, you were uh, there was the what was it in Tennessee last year? There was you saw people's attitudes. There was the boy who was bullied. Like his mom videotaped him crying in the yeah. car. Oh man! And then there's the a UFC huge fighters come out. And they're like, "Man, we got you, dog." And then, and then, like a week later, it turns out his mom had some other videos which were and like, she's rac- like a racist, exactly. Yeah. And then it's it's like you get whiplash sometimes. I think, but that's the problem. You didn't have social media before, and it gives all of this such wider range and louder range um, that. Things can take off in in that kind of way where, um, you know, imagine the Red Scare of the 50s if there was Twitter. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it would morph. Oh, it would, it would... And, and that's why I can only why I speculate about what, what we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. And the climate is like you said, everybody's freaking out. And I, I do see that. I see it every time I log into social media. There's a delete Facebook movement going on yeah. and stuff this last week. I just say Facebook's at least been upfront and honest that they've been taken for a ride. That's the only everybody it's happened to all social media. So it's either you get off of all social media or stay on all of it. You know, Facebook's at least tried to fix the problem. Yeah. Now their 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 fix hasn't been the best, but that's a Facebook and YouTube are about the only two forums I use regularly. And I'm using YouTube obviously for the podcast and for um the gym's videos and stuff, but Yeah. It's I've people said you need to tweet. I'm like, No. Yeah. Well Instagram, I don't take that enough selfies. I may like I'm I've been up in the air on whether to make a um 
a personal Twitter or to make one for the podcast because I'm only wanting to pump my podcast stuff and I don't want to like man dude we have social media pages out the asshole for um <laughs> we've got one for the gym we got one for the nonprofit we got one for the boxing club we got one for RFK the the podcasting page and my personal page and I need to take it down but back when I was sponsored and competing all the time I had an athlete page yep so I have seven Facebook pages <laughs> um and then the groups you know yeah. we have member groups oh, and stuff yeah so um it's yeah and then so that's starts. just Facebook then there's Twitter I have a, a gym's Twitter um and Instagram too uh-huh and I had a Periscope, or not, uh, well, yeah, I looked into Periscope, didn't really get into it, but um, what was that other one, Vine? Well, Pe- yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Joey Diaz, I think, still does a Periscope. <laughs> I think they closed Periscope down, they closed I something have, down. I think everybody, but once you come up with an idea, it winds up as part of... Well, that's, yeah, like living. Yeah, there's Facebook Live now. I there's YouTube Live, yeah, and I want that's really changed things too. Like, uh, like for example, at the fights the other night, Cora fought on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the promoters were pissed because, and I told, I told people to do it actually because I'm like, uh, and two, their pay per view stream shut off. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they were getting pissed about people being at the fights, Facebook living the fights when they had a paid stream set up how much is their paid stream per fight i think it was like well i think it was like 15 dollars for the whole card or something not so awful. not awful but it's same thing with flow grappling or all these other sports See, i don't think like flow grappling to, uh flow grappling was a good buy because it was 20 bucks a month and it gets you, just you get it for right then and if you want and well, it's worth it for what you're going to get you know in a good jujitsu month you're going to get Two fight to win cards. Yeah, if let's say let's big... say Pans is in that same month or Worlds. Oh yeah, you're winning, exactly. dude. Oh. Uh, let's say the NC like so. Let's say I think NC, there's an NCAA tournament in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Pans, and a fight to win all in the same week. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So you you know twenty bucks a month for it all, and I think their their service is reliable. Um, UFC Fight Pass was the same way. That's where you watch your Reddy Bravo and Vitino. Dude, I love Fight Pass. Yeah, you so watch your EBIs. Um, I think that's the biggest thing you probably got. That pass only nine ninety nine, dude. Well, here's the thing: I liked, I had, I've had both Flow Grappling and Fight Pass accounts. They were both easy to set up, easy to pay for, and easy to cancel. Easy to turn off, yeah. So it's when I want it again, I'll just fire it back up, and off you go. It's they don't, you know. I remember the bad old days where it takes, you know, seventeen emails, four phone calls, and you know, a pint of blood just to get yeah. the services on and off. But if you're going to offer a live stream, it's got to be reliable. It's got to work. I know. That's why I'm taking my sweet-ass time getting the live stream set up for this podcast. Yeah. It, because it's like Joe, Joe Rogan, for example, they've remarked uh, they have this thing called a TriCaster. But now it's started crashing on them all the time. TriCaster even offered to like send them a new one, do whatever. But it's like they're looking for new broadcasting software. I'm probably going to end up using this thing called OBS open broadcasting software mm-hmm. or black magic or Wirecast. Those are my mm-hmm. top three I'm looking at and they're softwares. Mm-hmm. So I don't so I wonder to... about if it, like for Joe Rogan, if it's volume, it's one, you know, how many people are able to log Par- in partially and watch? like back on this ISIS thing. It's like, how are you going to show up with that high level of camera production uh-huh. out of nowhere? You know, 
um, or Islamic State. We're talking about terrorist groups. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's the thing, dude. It's like it's taken me forever and will take me another. Like after I do the computer, then I can start doing multiple camera angles. So the goal is to put right there or there either one, a camera shooting me. Mm Mm-hmm. And likewise, on either side of me, a camera shooting you. Yeah. Joe Rogan has four cameras in his studio. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I can. They're super scaled down. Ver- or I'm sorry, my ver- my camera is scaled down in comparison to his. But I could easily get two more of those cameras. But when I start networking all that up, it, like that's volume. Oh yeah. Not just volume of viewership, but uh, you get to, like, sometimes, like Google Drive will kick on. This has happened, or. I will pull up something on the computer that caused the audio to kick off. Mm. So then I lose, uh, I'm like, Hey, hold on, let me restart this. You mm-hmm. know, like audio keeps like in the Hickson, uh, it's an audio only podcast, but I was looking at that Hickson seminar and commentating on it and it crashed out probably 10 times and it hasn't yeah. happened that much since, but stuff you got to work around and I don't want to overload this computer. I want to make my own computer that is built exclusively for, all I'm ever going to do is surf the internet, write lectures, and stream. Yeah. I'm thinking as uh, MacArthur builds your computer, you need a multitasking, like a quad processing core. So you can have one one processor devoted yeah. to your audio, one to your video, one to the He sent the me um, an article where like we're just kind of picking, uh, cherry picking what all, and he's pumped, pumped to build it. I was like, I mentioned something about it before we started podcasting, and we got off on a big conversation. I'm like, shit, dude, we got to hit record, bro. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? It always happens. Yeah. Um, we just had the most silent breakfast. Like, don't yeah, say Yeah, I know. I joked about it when we were leaving. It's like, don't talk. <laughs> uh, so, uh, well, all right, man. Well, so I will say this, too. Uh, thanks for coming back on. Uh, our podcast, so you came on before, on at least on YouTube, had like the most listens for the longest. Sweet. So people listened yes. to it uh, for a long time. Good. Um, I'll have to hold that over people. I think I was your first video, which may have... Yeah, you were. You yeah. were. But uh, I, had, I probably had a dozen people be like, yeah, I was watching that. And it probably because it was the first video and this and that. But um, I did get a lot of favorable reviews on it. It's probably because you stay really on point and articulate. And, um, I try. Well, man, and too, like I, I, I just like sit down talking with you about stuff. But uh, you, I'm able to follow along without you blowing my mind um, <laughs> too too much uh, and learn things in the process. That's been the coolest part about this. Why I liked filming for the university is to get to sit there and just listen to all this good information. Did you watch the uh, Nerdist? I just watched like the first couple minutes. I you didn't get, get to the end. You yeah. got to get to the end because it explains. Jiu-jitsu. I got the premise of what was going on, and and what's funny is um, that's become one of my sort of guilty pleasures. We're talking about it's uh, because science. It started as part of the Nerdist podcast stuff. It's a I forget, I don't know his name, but they've got this guy on. He brings hardcore science to science fiction. Yeah. And see, he, I got the premise of it, and he explains. You know, like for for instance, he said, um, "Superhuman strength. You probably really wouldn't want it. You know, like Superman strong. You know, part of it. You know, he explains like you know this is the kind of you'd tear doors off the hinges, you'd crush doorknobs in your bare hands. Uh, but he talked about like okay, and they define superhuman being able to punch through a concrete wall. And he figured, and he realized if you would have a f- real fist fight, if you could do that." You're, it wouldn't be a real you're murdering f- people. Well, yeah, it'd be like I think he said you'd punch through people, like it'd go in the front, out the back, and be like exit wound. Exactly. Um, but it, 
what he was getting into, um, it was about multitasking. Yeah, and left about brain, right, right brain. Well, they touch it a little bit, but he got into um, muscle, like pure muscle memory, where you're doing things unconsciously. And the more I thought about it, it was such a jujitsu discussion. Yeah, like he talks, like you start to recognize further in your as you go through this that you're reacting, but on instincts, not on thought. Like somebody starts to pass your guard, your hands are coming up, and you're starting to protect your head and get on your side. Those sort of things, what he was discussing, the the movie's Pacific Rim, and they got the sequel coming out. I think that's actually today. The Pacific Rim, I, I like the first one came out. It was on HBO for a long time. Oh, it yeah. It probably still is. But it's, um, they were talking about why do you have, you know, um, why do you need two people, two brains, and part of it's two people has more of these sort of built-in, you, you think about it on such a lower level. Um Here's the example I always throw out. You know, you have a long, do you teach people to punch and jab and jab and jab some more till it's like unconscious? That Dude, they... we did a whole class of jabs the other day. We, <laughs> we're probably through thousand plus jabs. We, so we did them in patterns. I'll have to look around to see if everybody's hang, left shoulders hanging. Yeah, no, nah, there, there was some people that were like that. Luckily, we did a little. But switching. you do that. And like the example I was, uh, there's a show, Whose Line Is It Anyway? The American Reboot. They would bring on, they brought it back on ABC, uh, and they would bring on celebrities for like, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. They had Layla Ali on, hmm. and at the, the, the ending credits, they have them read the credits and do stuff, and they had them, they had them like getting ready for a fight, da, 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 da. and it shows Layla Ali, I mean, she's been retired, she's been done boxing by, probably for a couple of years. But she's shadow boxing, and guess what? You know, those hands are up at her face. She's throwing and complete rotation. It's like that's the kind of subconscious thought. You know, you may not have thrown a punch for so long. You're on television with four comedians, and you're, you just cannot throw it any other way except properly. Yeah. And that's when I was thinking about it from a jujitsu perspective, at any point in time, when you're just doing something simple, trying to pass something, well, do it simple. When you're yeah. when you're passing somebody's guard, when you're a white belt, you're conscious. You know, you might be doing fifty things simultaneously. There's all your body positions, all my body positions. What's different as you progress is parts of that are now subconscious. You know, and you're you're really focusing down. Um, and I was thinking about it from the fight game perspective. All right, so I'm going to put a fighter in the cage. Um, they're going to be, tr you know. Do I want them still thinking about how do I throw my jabs and crosses correctly? Or do I want them thinking bigger strategy, when to switch takedowns, how's my pacing going? Yeah. You want as much of that knowledge buried, subconscious, that they don't have to think about it. Yeah, that's... Uh... And you can look this up. I'm, I'm going to look more into it. Joe Rogan had a Muay Thai champion on yesterday, um, and they were talking about this concept called hookah law. Mm -hmm. and I guess it's a Thai concept, but it's basically the mental side of fight training. Mm -hmm. It's the being able to get out there and get it done. They're talking about how a lot of fighters have panic attacks in a locker room. Hmm. That um, you, uh, you, Joe Rogan said you get dwarfed by the moment. Mm. And um, so you, you basically, um, they're saying that they've been in enough locker rooms, seen enough fighters warming up, that you can watch fighters warm up and almost know who's going to win. I mean, I'm pretty, 
uh, went into a different podcast, but Pat Militich was saying that there was times where like, like the Matt Hughes, Frank Trigg fight that he was so stressed out about coaching that fight. Mm -hmm. He had to lay down for 30 minutes, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I, I'm going to tell you, man, I quote Cora fighting the other night. I was, I was so jacked up after that fight. I had a headache uh -huh. and it wasn't even from yelling in assessing them out. It's just super stressful when, you know, your wife fights. Oh yeah. And, um, also, I mean, it's, it was just it's such a weird fight, too, because that girl is super strong um, and not really a striker, uh -huh. but was a jiu-jitsu blue belt, and they like were like, oh, no, we want this fight. So yeah, it was I just was like, uh, why? I've had questions. People have asked me, why did they seek this fight from Cora? Well, A, because, I mean, and he can listen to this, that girl's coach is a dick. Uh-huh. Um, like, and as a matter of fact, he tried to pick a fight with me at the weigh-ins. So he was like, I fight too, you know, we can fight tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you're an outsider, and I, I don't give a fuck about you, bro. <laughs> like, you're, you know, like, here's the deal. For the first time ever in all of Coors Jiu-Jitsu tournaments and all of her MMA kickboxing, set five kickboxing fights and MMA fight, does she miss weight? Yeah. Uh, just a little bit and they showed up an hour and a half late yeah and i'm like well we could have showed up late and actually made weight and that, they missed weight too neither neither person came in but they were two pounds apart which was in the agreement mm -hmm. so it's like well we're not cutting weight because you got here an hour and a half late and uh coincidentally the last time i cornered against this guy is when he first moved here and he was so at this place at a ufc gym in northwest arkansas mm -hmm. and um he just moved here and he cornered and their fighter missed weight by like 12 pounds or some crazy Ooh. shit it was that girl evelyn fought and not only that that girl had like 13 fights and it was evelyn's second mma fight but is evelyn this the arm evelyn fight no <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So Evelyn, this girl that we had that fights at our gym, uh, she broke a chick's arm in a fight. No, the chi the chick was untrained she properly. Broke, yeah, and she, she broke her own arm. So, well, and what you could just say, what you could say about this girl fought uh, that Cora fought, she wasn't trained properly, and no. her coaching staff led her to slaughter like a little lamb. Well, what's they, the, what's the first thing you teach somebody? How to fall. Yeah. Break, fall, break, fall, break, fall. Well, and Don't same, catch yourself. Same thing for that girl that Evelyn fought. It's like she was a traditional martial artist. She did some sort of traditional jiu-jitsu style, and I'm not talking shit about that, but it, it it's all comes down to training methodologies. It's mm -hmm. like that's what uh, this Pat Militich podcast is so cool because they're like back in the day there was Pat Militich and Lion's Den, and that was it. Mm -hmm. Now there's uh, AKA, ATT, Jackson Winklejohn, Team Alpha Male, mm -hmm. Muscle Farm, all of these places that have this training methodology on um, strength and conditioning, on recovery, mm -hmm. on sparring. But to me, that's all subsidiary to the mental. Like, it how is. many times, you know, I think, I know Drang has brought it up a lot. You know, you get in that round, you're, you know, you're a brown belt walking into that mat. I'm a blue belt or a purple belt walking into that mat. You give me about three or four minutes into that match, I'm tired, I'm gassed, I'm a blue belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm doing I tell a, people that all the if time. If I'm doing a no submission, you know, no time limit, you can be about 20 minutes, I'm well, a white belt. But that's part of, 
what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to go to the most lizard ingrained items you've got left. Primacy and recency. That's what I tell people. Yes, it's that it's primacy is you've just drilled it so much you cannot forget it. It's second nature. You know, I don't care how tired I am. I'm going to be able. To, I'm going to go into my windshield wiper pass. I'm going to go pressure, and I'm going to go to side control, and you know, then I'll have a heart attack and die. But it's well, but it's that that's the, it's, that's that idea. And you know, when you're thinking about like he brings up the idea of baseball hitters hitting a hundred mile an hour fastballs. Yeah, you've you're making decisions before the ball has left the pitcher's hand. And I think it's the same thing in jujitsu, where you just know you've done this so much, you're already firing. You're not, you know, you're not planning seven steps ahead, but your instincts are firing well, the first five it's steps. It's one thing for jujitsu, uh-huh. and that's why, like, I have little respect for this coach, is because they didn't train this girl to strike, mm-hmm. and not to discredit this girl's jujitsu, but it's like Core is a senior purple belt. Yeah, like she's gonna. It's going to be, like, Dring's probably going to move her to four tips. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if he will. Like, I'm going to put her down for to go from two to three. But if she goes from two to four, the thing is, is, like, they're like, well, they disbelieve that this girl who's been doing jiu-jitsu, like, a year and gay gave her a blue belt is better than Cora. And they put all their eggs in that basket. And so, like, on the mental side – they somehow brainwashed an intelligent person, an athlete, somebody that's going to be on American Ninja Warrior, mm-hmm. to think that they could hang. And, I mean, Cora put her in a fucking omoplata in the <laughs> fight. It's like I, in yeah. an MMA fight. Somebody told me that she actually fully landed an omoplata sweep in an MMA fight. Yeah, like, yeah, and then, um, then so, like, that girl that got out and then illegally up-kicked Cora, like, this, this girl had no business being in there. Mm-hmm. She's not worthy. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, a decent opponent. Was this her first fight? That was that girl's first fight. And it's, like, it's Cora's, I mean, and look, we took a mismatch fight when Cora, when Cora fought in Legacy, but it's, like, here's the thing. Cora's a purple belt in jiu-jitsu. She's a brown belt in judo. And she has had five kickboxing fights. She's undefeated. She's a two-time IKF champion. Mm-hmm. And did I say brown belt in judo? Like, I mean, it's yeah. just, it, you know, it's she's legit. And she's competed in I don't know how many jiu-jitsu tournaments, the spot in Legacy. And they called, with no fights, a jiu-jitsu blue belt. And, like, I don't know. I just took it as a sign of disrespect. <laughs> I'm just Part like, what, it, you think you can beat our ass? Yeah. Uh, we were talking, one of the biggest challenges, I think, for all female fighters especially. is That's why, exactly why we took the fight. Is getting any kind of fighting, getting any kind of experience. How many, even, like, you know, Pride, UFC, they're effectively learning on the job. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a UFC guy, like, you know, uh, Bryce Mitchell's getting ready to go do tough. He, well, he just—it's already filmed. Yeah, he's it's already off. Yep, he's. Those guys have so many, you know, amateur fights. Bryce, yeah, Bryce had tons of amateur fights, and is nine and zero as a pro. It's, but they're learning all of that, and I think it's so much harder to find, you know, suitable, qualified female athletes to be able to get build that up and it's it's always going to be that way it's changing a little bit mm-hmm. uh fortunately core's weight class was the weight class uh one of the weight classes that was recently added to the ufc mm-hmm. so and i don't know what she's going to want to do with fighting she could do anything she wants she's super talented she puts people <laughs> in omoplatas in mma fights yeah 
gets upkicked illegally and comes back. And, uh, dude, she clocked that girl so hard from the guard with the hammer fist, the girl immediately turtled and gave her back. <laughs> like, as soon as they restarted it, the girl tried to put a De La Hiva hook in. And I was just like... And the girl <laughs> tried to pull guard four times in the fight. And, uh, like... This it, is somebody... I will ask you if she's a gi or no gi, but I think I know the answer. I don't... She's gi. She's I, done good at tournaments, well, but man, it's just yeah. But I jump, I jump between gi and no gi, and I can't tell you the last. I, De La Hiva does not exist in no gi for me. Yeah, no, Sorry. I mean it, it doesn't really. I kind of use it. I will kind of use it to up kick if someone's standing. Yeah, but like Corv's down on one knee. Um, you no, know, that but just... that's just like here's the thing. That's her. Like if if this girl listens to this podcast, uh-huh. your coaches are leading you to slaughter. I can't tell you how many people told me that. You taking the fight on my end and outside observers that don't even know Cora and I are like, why is this person that has been training a year mm-hmm. doing this? And they and she was southpaw, but Cora, like we trained, we're like, we think this girl's going to come out like a grappler. Mm-hmm. She likes single legs a lot. So we think she's going to come out like a grappler. We think she's going to come out like Matt Hughes. Matt Hughes fought southpaw because he was a wrestler, because mm-hmm. he wanted his same leg forward is orthodox strikers. So we figured that that girl might do this. We worked a lot of southpaw, and bam, she's southpaw. But, dude, like, I I, I'm, I think I'm a legit striking coach. Like, mm-hmm. I've put a lot of time and effort into doing it. I've been doing it a long time. I've produced good results in striking. You look at Tim. You look at Corin Evelyn's uh, runs at IKF. Uh, I, you know, we get back, have a guy kickboxing next weekend mm-hmm. uh, in Little Rock. But it's like, uh, and I saw them warming her up for striking. It's like, look, it's MMA. You don't have to be an elite level striker, mm-hmm. but you better be Hicks and freaking Gracie if you're not. You better be the <laughs> one of the best grapplers on earth if you're going to come in there. And I mean, like it, just little things like weaving too much underneath the punch, starting combinations with kicks when they're not countered. Mm-hmm. Uh, like it's a lot of time. I mean, UFC fighters just sort of sling a kick out there, like a rear leg kick. It's like I saw it coming from three days away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's but I just um, the only I told somebody this. The only reason I would ever send someone out to fight in a three to six month time period is if they lived in the gym, <laughs> and because we do boxing, kickboxing, judo, jujitsu, gi and no gi, and MMA. Yeah, they're in jujitsu school. They don't do anything else. Uh-huh. They were te- they were calling for her to do Osoto Gari, and she tried to Osoto Gari Cora in the open cage. And I'm just like, what do you think this is? So, uh, and what it is is it's like, I, man, I don't want to be an influencer of a coach like that. Well, mm-hmm. I feel like what that is is negligent coaching and being like, hey come you know you, you you're so strong you're so good you won these gold medals in jiu-jitsu let's go get punched in the brain let's yeah. go get some cte mm-hmm. you know let's go get a traumatic brain injury it's like let's go stand across from an undefeated world level kickboxer yeah you gotta know too it's like i bring this up a lot you know we work you know i go i end up in no gi class with you know fighters and you know your fighters and stuff like that it's like you got own. you've got to have your own big I always think of it as a filing cabinet. I've got my gi file up here, I've got my no gi cabinet down here, I've got my Emmett my self defense cabinet over here, 
And my Pil- some people use the analogy of pillars. Yeah, filing cabinet's good. It's um, but because some I like the filing cabinet because there are some files that will be in all four. My self defense then, but there's some things like your you know De La Hiva. That's just going to be in my sport when we're wearing geese at a tournament. Exactly. I'm I'm getting even like myself more and more and more like that as time goes on. I've just um, but I think as a compartmentalize sport jiu-jitsu in a different way. As a coach, you got to be able to do that for them. You know, this is you know we talk about yeah you know seventy five techniques. When you get into a gi jiu-jitsu tournament, you're going to narrow that way down, and that's a coach to me who didn't do their Fighter is solid. You know, Osoto Gari is going to be really, really hard. No it's not that you can't in. get it, but it's going to be really hard. Yeah. Because nobody's going to let me dra- arm drag and get shoulder to shoulder in that wide clinch and pinch the well, arm. And I, I don't know 100% the rules of Greco, uh-huh. but I feel like you could legally do that throw in Greco. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've never seen it. Well, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's-, it's like I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen a no gi Osoto Gari. In like a like a no, in a nogi tournament or an MMA fight, not saying it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It could happen, but what are the odds? I mean, yeah. you're gonna have to have like a really good over under clinch, and as you're getting it, they're moving back. I mean, dude, I've loaded that throw ten thousand times probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, dude, every, especially ever since McMillan's been around, it's, it's, <laughs> it's his jam. Yeah, you know, it's like uh, Dustin Filia loaded a Sotogari a hundred times last night, and mm-hmm. it's like. They don't even do judo at that academy either. So it's like, yeah. fortunately, we have time we set aside just to work on judo. And it's like, and I do teach judo and jiu-jitsu too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's because I want my people to have that well-rounded takedown, wrestling, judo, leg lock. It doesn't matter. It's like you got to be, uh, Jeff Glover put it this way. He's like, this is not Brazilian jiu-jitsu anymore. It's mixed grappling arts. It's sambo, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, judo, all combined in one, and it's awesome. No mm-hmm. greater time to be alive than doing this. Oh, yeah. But it's, you, to help your people out, you've got to know what's going to work, what's, why you do stuff the way you do. You know, it's you just can't say, okay, yeah, go. Soto Gari's great if you've got lapels to grab a hold of and sleeve controls. And, and I mean, there's something to be said for coaching your athlete to do things that they're good at. And maybe that was one of her big time throws in, in sports jiu-jitsu or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it might work or whatever. But it's like, I just, I could never throw Cora. I mean, it's, yeah, she's my wife, but I could never throw Cora across from somebody that I was not confident that she could whip their ass. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's it, like let's say they had a little bit of an edge, but it's like that's why I've just been on the path of trying to cultivate people. It's like if I have a fighter that's like Judah, mm-hmm. he's got great kickboxing. He's great kickboxing. Mm-hmm. And whenever I start kickboxing with him, he starts landing kicks, starts checking my kicks. I'm like, oh, I'm a boxer now. Mm-hmm. And you are not. So <laughs> I start boxing him, and I start out landing him. I keep uh, get on the inside where he can't launch kicks at me. Uh, he starts getting timid. So it's like I force him to be a fighter. He's not. Yeah. He, That's a big part of, well, we're, you know, to go full circle, you having the knowledge of that ingrained knowledge of both boxing and kickboxing, you're able to sort of, okay, I've only got my brain, brain well, exactly. processing powers yeah. down. I can look big strategy. Well, and I can say to I someone like Judah is like, hey, Judah, man, 
keep talking about how, you know, and I, you keep noticing that I box you when you start doing well against me in kickboxing. It's not even necessarily that you're winning the round per se, but if things proceeded that way for a duration of a fight, I see that this is a false strategy on my part. Mm -hmm. So why don't you come to boxing class a couple of times before your fight? And the fact that we can provide that. I don't know a lot of academies oh, no, uh, that have an amateur boxing. And, and then, too, so it's like I'm real big on, like, and uh, some of the other people don't get this, but, like, Tim, for example, I never say to him, hey, Tim, why don't you come to kickboxing? Why don't you come to MMA? Why don't you come do some jiu-jitsu? He don't want to do that? That's fine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's part of it, too, because he can be the best boxer he could possibly be. Yeah. Um, laboring under his current uh, undertakings. And I tell people this. It's like I don't use kicks to set up takedowns, and I don't use kicks to set up clinches. Mm -hmm. I, however, do use punches to set up takedowns, and I do use punches to set up kicks and clinches. Mm -hmm. So boxing seems to be the um, sort of touchstone Mm -hmm. for mixed martial arts you take somebody that is a high high level like olympic caliber wrestler or um a boxer mm -hmm. or both and they're unbeatable i think boxing and wrestling is the it's unbeatable combo yeah well i think i could i can really see it i mean i think uh i got my black belt test for caleb coming up next weekend and a lot of my stuff is set up from a tie clinch like my i you know I learned I did not do any wrestling until 39. And uh, basically all mine's been no-gi grappling, stuff like that. I'm not going to... I'm not a MacArthur. I'm not going to shoot a single leg from nine feet away and catch people. And knock people over with it but like it, he did last night. <laughs> yeah. And feel you flying over the mat. But um, working, getting, you know, double insides, then do a tie clinch, and then I can drop in for singles and doubles all day long because I've closed the space and I got to where my disadvantage is going. Did you have that uh, front headlock uh, with me recently? Uh, was that – I don't know if we did – well, we did the guillotine if stuff you, on um, Wednesday where I still feel my next a couple yeah, inches yeah, yeah. longer. If you let me know, um, I, which I showed some front, stuffing the front headlock at the front of that class, I think. I can't mm -hmm. remember, but – Ken Promola showed me uh, re a, a wrestling series uh, that was um, front headlock, high crotch, double single. Mm -hmm. And it was a way to get inside ties, like you just said, head and bicep is the one that, that I like to mm -hmm. use. Uh, but to get all of those positions and just real good operating system, real basic. Mm -hmm. Said he learned it. He wrestled at Iowa State, which is like the best place on earth to wrestle. <laughs> so I don't know. Penn State keeps winning national titles, so. That too. Uh, Iowa, that's where I guess Dan Gable coached. Um, There's a lot. I've, I ran into it when I go up to Pittsburgh. It was last time through. One of the big collegiate wrestling referees is a jiu-jitsu blue belt. And he was, really? he was up there in the gym. I mean, yeah, I mean, this guy's uh, mid-50s or whatever. I mean, built like a, you know, think Sharpie at 50, in his 50s, but really, really in great shape. Um, good jujitsu, solid jujitsu, but he understands the grappling game, you know, really, really well. Did you so, see the uh, NCAA but, match where the dude threw the like cartwheel crucifix Kimura thing on the guy? I don't think I've caught this year. 
Yeah, it was just like the other day. No. I was trying to find a, a YouTube video of it. I've only found it on uh, Facebook. Uh, let's see if I can find it for you. Uh, but uh, it, I can't find it on YouTube. Uh, Flow Grappling shared it. I'm just going to say NCAA Crucifix. I was trying to find a show to MacArthur. Mm. No, I was just thinking uh, when we were doing uh, in class Wednesday night, we were doing the pummeling drills. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I set up, I did set up, I do use an, a Nogi Osoto Gari, but I use it from. Like I said, if you have a good over under, it can work. Ooh. But as you're getting an over under and you don't really have a good over under because it's an MMA fight and you had to close distance and you ate a punch or two in the process. Isn't that funny? Yeah. That cartwheel, the crucifix. There it goes again. Hoop, hoop. A little jump and reverse crucifix. Don't show that to Molly. She'll pull that off. You know, um, I saw fun. her um, Why well, I showed her those omoplatas. Uh, she twists that way naturally. Yeah, she gets in that spot a lot So because um, uh, she goes for arm bars. And a lot of times kids... I hadn't noticed that she's doing this. They arm bar the top arm instead of the bottom arm. Ah, uh, You know, yeah. so it's like an omoplata, essentially. So if you just complete it, but if people pull their arm out when you arm bar, yeah. you can go omoplata. I learned that, uh, that combination with Greg Jackson once. I already knew it, but, but it's uh, a really good one. What I was saying is we'd, uh, we were doing the pummeling drill. Once you get into that clinch, I would throw uh, a koji first. Get him to step back and See, then that's transition. It. And that's a to that's a, a totally different thing too. Doing um, follow ups. Like yeah, we talk about that in judo all the time. It's but like, those two are strong to to get. The, I just a generic. I'm gonna the first thing I'm gonna throw is a nogi or sotogari. Doesn't work. I will do. Um, but throwing um, that's one of the big ones from some. Uh, Caleb did a lot of that. One of the seminars, yeah, yeah, yeah. one of the competition ones. Yeah, he threw in a lot of that, you know, Cosotos to ankle picks. To... That really legs. opened up a lot of my. That's a, that's why they say the mixed of... grappling arts. It's yeah. like that was a mixed judo wrestling sort of workshop. Yeah, and it's short, but that clicked for me because you know I'm not. I was bitching about Caleb not because like that was really good. I remember that one year I think you were there when he did the points. Hey, you have uh, in five transitions get thirteen points. Yeah, but it's like um, I told him, I'm like, look, y'all um, want to go with a nicer venue, therefore raise the price. Mm -hmm. You better raise the quality because mm -hmm. the last two years, because of who you've had teach, it's gone down. Not to be uh, overly critical, but I was like, I didn't hear anything about points last year. This is supposed to be a, an event for tournament mm -hmm. strategy. Um, what I did hear is the guy, one of the guys you had teaching us talking shit about sport jujitsu the entire time he taught. And I was like, you better put that shit on lockdown. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that don't need to be going on. If you want to know from an insider perspective, not an administrator, why yeah. this event's had a fewer, fewer people the last couple of years and how you're going to get more. It's going to be like, I'm telling you that these are my favorite seminars, having done this event every year since it's been in existence. Yeah. You know, and th here they are. And here's the ones I didn't like and why. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, oh, okay, yeah, well, those are good points. So, but, you know, you just can't. It's like if, if it's a tournament strategy, that's why you're there. You can, you need to stay on point with that. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a lot of that is like getting, you know, you get a lot of different instructors to collaborate and, 
getting them to be on board with it and like oh, yeah. you might not have a sport jujitsu instructor you know what, there. The way I always think about the uh the competition camp, that that is a jujitsu buffet. You're gonna get you know, you go to a seminar, you're you're gonna get two hours on the truck, you're gonna get two hours on leg locks. Let's here's forty five minutes of some you know, we'll do forty five um the one guy does forty five minutes of judo. I mean, good hardcore judo. Caleb, yeah. Caleb throws in, you know, here's which I think is so important. Uh, like that, that can benefit all competitors because, mm-hmm. as you know, sport jujitsu guys pull a lot of guard. Oh yeah. But so it's, it's like let's spend some time on takedowns. That's on point. But I think it's one of those. I think getting those little bits and pieces more often, I think, is something I really wish you could pull off, do more. You know, having like four thirty-minute blocks from different perspectives with a common theme, like, you know, the sport jujitsu theme, that to me was much more interesting and eye-opening because you start getting this, these these different ideas, parts of your game, you know, well, one, and, one and person doing submissions, one person doing guard passing. I think it's going to change a lot. I mean, especially it's a white belt. We're promoting three black belts mm-hmm. this week. We promoted, um, two last year. We promoted two the year before and we promoted one the year before that yeah so and it's i don't know if we'll have i and we shouldn't i don't know i don't know who will get promoted next shouldn't be anybody for over a year mm-hmm. there's no one that's popping into my mind um well there's this brian andrews guy there is um daniel trimble is a brown belt but he's a super newer brown belt mm-hmm. um Andy Threlkeld. It's like a couple of tip brown belt or something. Yeah. There's you. Yeah. Well, I'm getting promoted tomorrow. Oh. So, yeah. So, which honestly, I really don't care that much about it because I've been at a higher level for a long time now mm-hmm. in my mind. It's like, especially over like since I stopped competing, like I feel like my jujitsu has gone through the roof in terms of my eye and my ability to coach and like command of my techniques and like oh, the yeah. intricacies. But the thing is, is like the other two people are getting promoted. Weren't even a thought in this association for years mm-hmm. after I'd already been training. Yeah. So there's, there's something to that. It's I've, I felt the same kind of thing. I don't think about competing. I don't think about a lot of stuff as much the same way I used to. Yeah, I think in the last year, year and a half, I've got to that point, and I've I felt so much healthier about it. Like I remember, yeah, like last night, I forget his name it was it was one of the newer white belts, the younger, thinner one, Jacob. Yeah, he's a little he's a little phenom too. He's he's good. He is fast. crazy flexibility. He's all yeah. There's there's a point or two where he's twisted some his legs some funny ways, and I'm like, but you know he's moving. He's and I'm you know just kind of da 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 da, um, and then I pass his garden, you know. You know, uh, Americana the snot out of him, but that's just when I stopped worrying about a lot of other stuff and just I'm just gonna go for. That's it too, you know. Like I, like I try not to. I said this the other night about uh, I'm stealing this quote from someone else, but like comparison is the thief of joy, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's it's. It's hard not to compare your journey or your belt to other people's belts. Oh, yeah. My my thing is, is like I've done jiu-jitsu every day for almost 11 and a half years. 
Mm-hmm. Like I was 19 when I started. I'm about to be 31. Yeah. So think of it this way: I'm at six and a half. Yeah, I mean, and <laughs> so during that time, I remember um, you as a blue belt. Yeah, I mean, you do. Like I remember vividly being a white belt. I remember every belt, and I try and keep that in perspective. And it's, um, I, 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 I was one of the first people in the association to own a school. Uh, uh, if not the first, I know Gravitas opened later, mm-hmm. but, um, well, I think you get into it. It's, you can, I've seen a lot of people and I know I went through it as a white belt where you look around and everybody starts with you and they're getting better faster or they're doing whatever it is. And you lose sight of your journey and you're, cause you're looking around at everybody else's and that, that could be un taken too long, too extreme is very unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, because there's you see this all. You know, I've got a Facebook wall of friends who are all stuck. You know, or you know, Facebook friends, not friends, friends. But you can see they're just they're still at the same spot they were years ago, and it's just because they're not they're thinking about everything else. I've got this great, you know, I've got these twenty seven videos on um, diet and nutrition. Well, how many times are you drilling your guard pass? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, dude, like all week I've been doing Kimuras and windshield wiper passes. It's like the two of the most fundamental things that I like. We did a Kimura this morning. It's just fundamentals. I live on windshield. I'm not sexy. I'm a windshield wiper kind of guy. I will actually, I should say windshield wiper now has become single under. Yeah, no, I saw you doing that the other day. It looked good. Um, when, uh, I start, I go, start we were going doing. left. Were, were you countering the Tomonagi, countering the guard pull? Uh, no, this was just the uh, open rolling last night. I know I got a nut. Well, I, I saw you drilling. We were doing some passes or something recently, and you yeah. added that in because I've been. It was sometime this week when I was doing. Like I've been doing that windshield wiper pass to take the back. Mm-hmm. Like when they start trying to come over you when you're about halfway through the guard. So yeah, I'm gonna do like Michael's been out this week, but we're gonna do a video on that. I got a bunch of videos I got to upload today. Yeah, it's just I've I got into a lot of that. I've noticed I got this like permanent bruise right about here like on my the inside of my love handle and it's it's from guys playing z's yeah like that knee no, just keeps dude, i know exactly what you're talking about and it's like 100 eh. and so it's but it's like okay so i start passing guard they play z they knock they knock me around sweep me over okay so you start figuring out the counter to the counter so i'm gonna you know if it's gee i'm digging under grabbing that belt i'm pinning that z to their butt you yeah, know, those the prayer feet in that position make that crimp down so tight. I remember the first time, like right on that hip bone. Yeah, <laughs> but it's always, you know, the the journey's the journey. Yeah. Well, dude, let's uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, you want to give a little plug on your uh, AETN? You know, a website or anything people can watch that. Uh, I know AETN has a YouTube channel. They will eventually get it up to YouTube. It I'll try not... and if you uh, when I see you share it, I'll try and share it on our social. Perfect. So um, I, I, the actual broadcast, I think, is 6 p.m. Arkansas time tonight. So over, I would say by this time next week, they should have the YouTube uh, version up. Cool. Um, yeah, the other plug, if you're uh, friends of me on Facebook, um, I, I shared my daughter's robotics team. They're going to Worlds. She trains. Um, a lot of the skills they needed, and not like robotics skills, but... Um, Teamwork. Te- well, going to practice. Getting, you know, it's easy to be, you know, I'll sign up for the robotics team. Yeah, but, you know, you're not doing the extra hour every Thursday. 
You're yeah. not getting up. Uh, they went to a competition in Bentonville, just like you're going to a grappling tournament. Mm-hmm. They were up and meeting at school at 5.15 in the morning. That is, uh, yeah. I mean, and, and it's. Well, I think I, I talked to Ian about it, too, and it seems like in the page, it seems like they're all feeling rewarding, uh, like a reward out of the activity of being a part of that team. Oh, yeah. It, but it's like, we, you know, we, uh, you and I work together to teach a lot of the kids, cl- you know, a number of the kids' classes. And honestly, three quarters of what they take from kids' classes is in the martial arts. It's being able to understand the practice, trying to get better, a little better every time. Well, communication, too. Communication, embracing, you know, we, we talk about embracing the grind. You know, they started practicing in October, and here we are getting into March and April. You know, they've done, my daughter, it's called a STEAM presentation. You know, talking, their project is about um, how robotics and automation help the elderly. They, it's a, literally a five or six minute presentation. They have probably done it dozens of times, and it's like they just know it, and they know it. And when they bring in people to ask them questions about it, they've heard the questions. They're ready for it, but it's it's a lot of the basic skills, of even just standing, as weird as it is, standing around. We went to a competition in Valonia, finally got to go to one. Um, they were supposed to do these presentations between 8.30 and noon, 1 p.m., is when they finally got to do it, just like a jujitsu tournament, mm. you know. Man, I'm supposed to be on mat four at nine thirty a.m. Oh that, hell, it's I a, had to it's coach the last jujitsu tournament. I coached for over twelve hours, dude. It was ridiculous. But it's it's the same, and you know, it's just like chorus fight. You don't get a do over. You're gonna get your thirteen. You know, they do. Te- they get ten minutes. You know the the world's competition is gonna be the same way. They're going to be there for two full days. They're going to get their ten minutes to do their presentation. You got to when it, your time comes, it you got to be ready, and that's what they learn. You know, coming to martial arts, doing testing. You know, if it's rainy outside, if you've had a long day, you still find a way to, you know, get up there and do it. So that's why it's that's the other plug. We got a you uh, care page for them. We're looking at you know any kind of donations. Yeah, five we'll bucks, be sharing that for you for sure. I'll I'll share that on the podcast but, page. I don't have a super big audience, but we can share that on the gym page. We got thousands. Of yeah, them. I think uh, Cora shared it, and yeah, we're getting everything. We got ten percent of what we need, but you know every little nickel and diamond. It does. Yeah, I was I saw that. Um, Cora, you're, you're getting some... close to a thousand bucks or something, right? Yeah, we're getting you need like seven. Yeah. Hotels murder you. We're talking about this. Like taking a text me the link if you can, and I'll put it in the description of this video. Perfect. So um, that'll be helpful. I could put it on the Podbean uh, too, which means they'll go over in Spotify, Stitcher. So I mean, it's crazy to think, but uh, I get listeners from all over the world. Like <laughs> I guess like YouTube's like we're gonna serve an even slice of these ten views over the whole world. And then you're gonna get another this many views from your organic shares and social media and stuff. But yeah. Um, Oh, it's it, this is an actual world tournament. They've got teams from all fifty states. They got people coming from international Japan and places like that. So it's going to be Japan to Kentucky. Exactly. Excellent. All right. Well, right on, dude. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Yep.